Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do um, enter your presence uh, with amazement and wonder. Uh, You being a holy, righteous, and powerful God, allow sinners into your presence through Christ. God, you have promised that one day um, when our bodies fail us or upon your return, we will be with your presence, in your presence for all time. God, what a sweet and powerful promise. God, we pray that you would make your presence known to us tonight um, through the power of your Holy Spirit. As we sing, uh, as we hear your word, as your word is preached, God, we pray that your spirit would be evident um, to inhabit our worship. God, we pray that you would continue to build the house at Park Baptist Church. For your glory and for your honor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You will get a hymnal once again and turn to 572. I love to tell the story. 572. You may remain seated as we sing. story. 
going to sing a song. He gets sweeter. Doesn't Christ get sweeter every day? When we depend on him, when we pray to him, he answers our prayer. He's done so much for us. And just knowing that we have a God that loves us, it makes it sweeter. Pray for me as we sing. He gets sweeter to me. Since I started on this journey, peace flows over my soul. Now there is no condemnation since he made me whole. Waters from this rock I'm drinking, heaven's matter I eat. No matter what comes my way, he gets sweeter to me each day. Taste this living water when you speak his name. Just quench your thirst from this well, never be the same. I am ready to cross that river to a land I see. With milk and honey flowing free, it gets sweeter to me each day. On my way, he gets sweeter to me. Each day I'm going to walk by faith. He is leading the way. Soon I'll be walking with Jesus on that heavenly shore. Each day on my way, he gets sweeter to me. and turn to Psalm chapter 3, Psalm chapter 3, and as you turn, there's just a few uh, announcements uh, this morning. Uh, I forgot to uh, announce it, but in the back, uh, you'll see a blue directory. Uh, we've kind of uh, uh, made a several announcements, asked for pictures. Uh, I've already got a new one, so it's not a perfect directory, uh, but are they, is there ever such thing as a perfect directory? No, there isn't. Um, so in the back, you'll see a blue directory. You can grab it. It's free of charge, of course. Uh, we're just going to keep it, keep it black and white uh, just because we, we plan on printing them on a, on a semi-regular basis. So when we update it, you'll have pictures of new folks who join. I know that you guys are always looking for that. So grab that um, uh, directory, and if you see any mistakes in there, if you have any updated contact information, uh, just please let us know, and we'll update it right away. Uh, we're doing all that kind of stuff in-house. Um, just, re just remember to, to pray for our upcoming elections. Uh, we do have uh, elections this coming Tuesday. Uh, and some of those are pretty important for our, our local school board. Uh, we've been working, um, Bill Reagan's been kind of spearheading a part of the effort of a, a release time education. And the release time education is, is really has to be backed by the school board. And what the school board does, it gives it approval for, for local churches and local uh, believers to, to partner together to pull students off of campus to teach them God's word. Um, 
So this is a really important election uh, for, our, for our county, uh, especially for uh, Rock Hill. So if you would just pray and pray and pray that God would bring the right person uh, to office, uh, those are things that we want to make sure that we are uh, a, a part of. Well, we're going to uh, dive into God's Word uh, this morning. But before I do, I need to do one quick order of business that I forgot to do. Uh, three weeks ago, uh, my little Elizabeth was baptized. You heard her testimony. Um, you saw her baptism. Upon baptism, she wants to extend for membership uh, in the local church. Um, so I, we, we have to do that formally. We want to make sure we follow all our procedures. Uh, but I, I, we recommended her to, to you to membership. You've heard her testimony. Uh, can I hear a motion? Uh, do I hear a second? All in favor? Opposed? Okay, she is now an official member of the church. Tear. Dad's happy. Um, uh, well, let's read uh, Psalm chapter 3. Uh, just to let you guys know what we're doing on Sunday night, we just kind of finished our series, uh, God's Big Picture, kind of walking through the kingdom of God uh, in all, all of, the, of the scriptures. We're just going to kind of hang a little bit in the Psalms. Uh, Psalms is one of those books that has wonderful word pictures, but it's also just one of the most loved books in the entire Bible. So we're just going to kind of look at a select number of Psalms. I've already preached Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 on a Sunday morning, uh, so we're going to be in Psalm 3 tonight. So let me read Psalm 3. I'll pray, and then we'll dig into the word together. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray tonight. We pray as we study your word that you would give us hope uh, in the midst of despair. Father, we thank you so much for the preciousness of your word. We thank you how you have sustained uh, great saints in the past, uh, that you have communicated through them so that we can hear and believe. So dear God, I pray as we study your word tonight that you would edify your people, that you would build them up, that you would strengthen them by your grace. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase, that your name would get glory tonight. We ask you to bless us by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Uh, growing up, uh, I grew up outside of Chicago, as many of you know. Uh, my dad uh, was a mall manager. So when I was a little child, we moved around a lot. So we spent time all over the Midwest, Michigan, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois, kind of all over the place. And when I was six years old, we, we landed in Palatine, uh, Illinois. Uh, and I, I st we stayed there from when I was six years old all the way till I graduated high school uh, at the age of 18. Uh, my dad managed a mall called Old Orchard S Shopping Center. He was the, the mall manager there, was there for a, a number of years. Well, my, my, my sophomore year, uh, he, had a, he got a new assistant manager uh, at the mall. Um, and you know, that's a great thing when people kind of come in and work for him. My dad was always good at managing uh, people. But with this assistant manager, things were a little bit different. Uh, what he did is he kind of worked behind the scenes to develop a relationship with my dad's uh, bosses. 
Uh, and then after developing a relationship with my dad's bosses, he had, uh, he convinced them that he would be a better manager than, than my dad. So what they did to my dad, they said, well, you've been here for 14 years, and we really thank you for your work at this mall, but what we want you to do is we want you to move over to this smaller mall and take your assistant and place him in your position. It was a uh, demotion. It was a, a betrayal. Uh, those of you who are, uh, who are men know that when a man works at a job and he's working hard, that's a really tough pill to swallow. Uh, when someone who's underneath you kind of goes over your head and then is placed in your position. That was a real tough year for, for my family. Uh, I, that was my, my, I was a sophomore, then I became a junior, and that was at the end of my junior year. Uh, my, my dad moved to California, so my senior year, uh, my, my dad was in California. It was just me and my mom and my sister uh, back in Palatine uh, because of this betrayal uh, that my dad experienced. Well, that same situation happened uh, to David, it happened to King David, except it wasn't with an assistant manager, but it was with his own son. It was a kingdom betrayal. Right there at the beginning of the psalm, you see a heading. It says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. What Absalom was doing uh, when David was king, there was a, a situation uh, where Absalom was angry at David um, because of David's sin and how he handled certain situations. So what Absalom would do is he would stay at the city gate and he would just be waiting and someone would come to the city gate from the kingdom and they'd say, I want to talk to the king about justice. Can I speak to someone about justice from the king? And Absalom would be, well, I'm sorry. You, you, the king has not appointed anyone to hear your case. But if I was king, I would hear your case and I would give you justice. But I'm sorry, my, my, my father, the king, has not appointed anybody to, to win, to, to listen to your case. He would do that. He did this for four years. And after four years, what Absalom did is he won the hearts of, of the men of Israel through propaganda. My father, the king, doesn't care about your justice. But oh, if I was king, if I was the one in charge, I would listen to your case and I would represent you well. We're going to look at this psalm, this betrayal, how David responds to this situation with three headings. Uh, the first is the overwhelming opposition handling overwhelming opposition. Now, when David wrote this, we don't necessarily think that David wrote this psalm while he was being fled. He was probably looking back and writing the psalm based on those feelings, which helps us because, you know, a lot of us are not going to be in the situation as David is. <laughs> We're not going to be kings of, of a nation having our son, you know, vie for, for posi our position, having us having to flee him. Has anyone been a king of a, a country here? Didn't think so. Okay, that would have been cool if you said yes. Uh, but what, what we're, what we're going to see here is how do we handle situations that are similar? David as the representative, how do we handle life when things are overwhelming? Well, we see there, right there, the overwhelming opposition. It's overwhelming. Listen to verse 1 and 2 again and see the, the word many, how many times it appears. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. 
you see that overwhelming opposition. Many are opposing me. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of me. He was overwhelmed by those who opposed him. Uh, while I was thinking about this, I was reminded of 2003 uh, during the um, ma- uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. The Chicago Cubs uh, were in a battle for the pennant. Now, those of you who know baseball know that the Chicago Cubs have not <laughs> won a World Series in over 100 years. Uh, there's this curse of the billy goat that we think that uh, is hol- holding us back from winning. Well, the, the Cubs were getting close. Uh, it was the eighth inning. There was two outs, um, and there was a fly ball to, to, um, to left field. Moises Alou goes over and is about to catch the fall ball to end the inning. Then all of a sudden, a man named Steve Bartman, uh, a fan, reached over and caught the ball, right? So instead of ending the inning, it was, it was, a, it was a foul ball, and the next series of events, the other team came back and demolished the Cubs. It was the sixth game of the series. We were about to go to the World Series, but all of a sudden we went straight down. And if you ask a Cub fan, they're going to say, it's Steve Bartman's fault we lost. I remember watching that game, and I was so angry at Steve Bartman for what he did. Well, Steve Bartman was so overwhelmed with opposition for what he did, a lifelong Cub fan, uh, that he lost his job. He had to change his phone number because he received so many harassing phone calls. To this day, people have begged him, even offered him six, um, half a million dollars for an interview to be part of a documentary, and he's refused it all, right? Can you imagine a person like that, overwhelmingly opposed by everyone around you? That's the way David was. He was overwhelmingly opposed by all of Israel. People who were used to be on his side, people who used to be close to him, and now they're against him. Why? Because they believe that David would not give them justice. They were not believing the truth. But listen also to what they were saying. Verse 2, it says, Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. People were thinking that David was so bad that he had done things that were so heinous that even God could not forgive him. Now, if we know David's story, uh, we know that he did some awful things, didn't he? He committed adultery with Bathsheba, got her pregnant. He tried to cover it up by forcing Uriah the Hittite to go home to his wife. Uriah the Hittite, being the honorable man that he was, wouldn't go home. So David had him killed, had him go in the battlefield, had him step out for the battle, and had everyone else pull back, and he was he was killed. And then he took Bathsheba to be his wife. Now, when you hear all that, man, that is an awful sin. And yet David is looked at as a man after God's own heart. Even that, even all that sin did not separate David from God's grace. And isn't that encouraging for us? We are never too far gone. We will never do anything that will put us outside of God's grace. And that what what that is true for you, that is also true for anyone who you know who is right now outside of God's grace. If they turn and repent, God would graciously welcome welcome them back in. But the people of Israel were saying of David, there's no hope for you. You are so bad, there is no salvation from God for you. And I've seen that happen. I've seen the people of God 
look at certain individuals and say, there's no hope for them because their sin is too great. That's not true according to God's word. But can you, I mean, can you imagine how David felt there? I'm not sure if you have ever been there. You know, you have felt that people opposed you on every side. Felt like everyone that you were trying to, to win was against you. I mean, that's the world that David lived in, you know. And I think it, it helps us feel David's pain. You know, the reality is, is that we're going to have people who are going to be against us, who are going to oppose us, who are going to think that maybe we don't deserve God's hand of blessing. No matter what situation you have, are going to face in your life, when you feel overwhelmed, can I just say this? You are not alone. You are not alone. There have been saints throughout history who have been through worse, who are now going through those kind of things. I said this this morning, but one of the, the, the things that have, has given me so much faith over the last two and a half years as your pastor is your faith, is watching how you guys have handled yourself in the midst of cancer, in the midst of death, in the midst of heartbreak. And that has given me faith, right? We are not alone. We are in this together. So when I feel overwhelmed, guess what? I look towards your faith, and guess what? I move out of being overwhelmed because I am not alone. Look at what David did. Not only do you see an overwhelming opposition, but you see this bold belief that David has. Look at verse 3 through 6. Again, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I laid down and slept, and I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. You know that there's that saying, we looked at it when we looked at Habakkuk on Wednesday night, the righteous shall live by faith. That, 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 that's powerful, right? Never get old. That never should get old for us. The righteous shall live by faith faith. Now, if you were David, you're in this situation, you're overwhelmingly opposed. Everyone around you is against you. We even see at the end of, end of verse 6, thousands and thousands of people, your own son has, has spoken lies against you and has taken your throne. When you look at the surface around you, you should be like, there is no hope for me. They're right. I am too far gone. Why would God love me? Why? I deserve everything that happens to me but he didn't look at what was around him. What did he look at? He looked at the Lord. He had faith in who God was. Look right there. It says, but you, O Lord. That's where he goes. When you are facing overwhelmed, when you are overwhelmed with your life, here's where you need to look. You need to look to the Lord. Look at the things he says about the Lord. You are a shield about me. In those days, those shields were not small. You know, they were huge shields that someone, a whole person could hide behind. They were completely covered. I remember <laughs> moving uh, into adulthood. Uh, you know, when you're, uh, when you're in high school or when you're in college, your parents are often very gracious to you, and they'll say, we'll cover your car insurance. And then you step out into the real world, and guess what? You have to pay your own car insurance. And when you get your options, okay, what kind of car insurance do I want? There's liability, 
then there's full coverage. I'm going to take liability. I'm going to pay as little as I possibly can. I remember I did that until I got married. Uh, and then my, you know, my wife said, um, I think we need a little bit more coverage, right? But there's a big jump moving from liability to full coverage insurance. That's really what God offers us. God, the shield that the Lord is, is not just liability to protect us. He offers us full coverage. He is a shield about me. He covers me from, from head to toe. But he also says, you, you are my glory. You are my reason for living. Now think about that. He's in the midst of surrounding by his enemies, and he says that I would be, rather be happy with you than happy in this world. I would rather be happy in God than happy in my circumstances. That is important for us because so many times we hear that we need to change our circumstances. But you know what our circumstances do? They change us so that we can hope in God, that we can be happy and content in God. We can have joy and peace and, and love in Him. You know, God is more concerned with you delighting in Him than you delighting in your circumstances. So when our circumstances become an idol, you know what the Lord does? He changes our circumstances so that we can trust in Him. The Lord is a shield about me. He is my glory. Then it says this, you are the lifter of my head. Now, when you're discouraged and you're depressed, how do we tend to walk? We tend to walk drooping our head. You know, we kind of tend to look down. We're just kind of, and even when, even when we're believers, you know, Christians struggle with depression. You know, <laughs> there's people in our congregation right now who are struggling deeply with depression, Right? And what happens? They, they, they droop their head. They're discouraged. And what, he, what, what David says here right, should help us. Because when our circumstances tend to fall apart around us, what do we want to do? We want to droop our head. And God says, Lord, you are the lifter of my head. You allow me to take my eyes off of my circumstances, looking far into the future about what kind of God you are. I read a... Um, illustration this week, or this, this morning actually, uh, about how knowing the end should change our whole demeanor. Um, this uh, Matthew Westerholm uh, shares this story. Imagine you're a, imagine a teenage girl uh, waiting for a, or not a teenage girl, but a, a young 20-something uh, woman waiting for her boyfriend to pick her up, right? He was supposed to be there at 6 o'clock, and it's 6.42. She's looking at her walk. She's starting to get a little angry. Where is my uh, boyfriend? You know, uh, he, 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 he arrives, he honks his horn, doesn't get out of his car, doesn't come get me, honks the horn, and she gets in the car and says, well, where do you want to go, sweetie? He goes, I don't care, wherever you want to take me. So he says, well, how about we go to Panera? His, his dad's a manager at Panera, and he wants to, you know, doesn't want to spend a lot of money on her, wants to save some money, and, you know, then he just says, you know, well, how about, maybe do you want to go to the beach? <sighs> Why do I want to go to the beach? I didn't dress for the beach. Why would you want to take me there? You know, but imagine if the same situation happened, you know, it's 6.42, the boyfriend gets there, but he, she gets a call at 6.30, and she says from one of her girlfriends, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I just saw your boyfriend at the mall, and he was buying you an engagement ring. Tonight is the night you are going to be engaged to your boyfriend. So at 6.42, 
she's no longer angry, but she's excited, right? She can't wait. Yes, where do you want to go, sweetie? I don't, I don't care as long as I'm with you, you know? She may say it resigned, but they go to Panera. I can't wait to, to have anything. And she's like, oh, uh, well, how about we go to the beach? Oh, yes, it's it's beautiful place. It's, the sunset's going to be in 30 minutes, and I'm going to be going to be engaged to be married. Do you see how it's the same situation, but knowing the end changes everything? And this is how um, the, the writer ends. So believer, how does your story end? With a resurrection, your perishable, dishonored, weak, and fallen body will likely die unless Jesus returns first, but it will be raised as imperishable, glorious, powerful, and spiritual. In your flesh, you shall see God. With a reunion, though you have not seen him, you love him. Your, your cry for your Abba Father will be answered as he sweeps you into his arms. Your story ends with you seeing Jesus face to face. And with a wedding, your bridegroom comes on the cloud with a glorious entourage of angels to bring you the home that he's preparing for all eternity. Our small taste of the kingdom of God will be fulfilled with a feast, a wedding feast. So start planning your wedding. When we are in the midst of being overwhelmed with our life, we need to believe that God has promised us a better end. We look beyond our circumstances into the distant future when God says, when you close your eyes in death, you will be with me in my presence for all time. So when we get discouraged, we need to look far into the future. Not just that our circumstances in this life will get better, but when our circumstances will be ultimately better in the next life. We lift our heads to glory, and that is what the Lord does. When we focus on the Lord, He changes our sight. He changes our perception, how we view the world. We view the world with view of eternity. So David says, I'm so, I'm so, I might be surrounded by these enemies, but I'm going to lift my eyes to the Lord where my help comes from. But lastly, he has these reminders. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. And I just love this simple illustration, verse 5. I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. So simple. <laughs> he went to bed, and he woke up. And he was reminded that God sustained him through the night. Every time we sleep and we wake up is a gift by God's hand. God knows your days. God is in complete and total control. So David says, I slept and I awoke. God is on the throne. He reigns. I read 2 Samuel 15 and 16. Uh, in preparation about this this story with David, and I just this, David just kind of throughout the whole scenario, he just kind of has this has resigned himself that God is in control. Whatever happens in my life with Absalom, God is in charge. Listen to what he says in Second um, Samuel fifteen. The Ark of the, you know David realizes that Absalom's now on the throne. He's going to come back to Jerusalem, and he he says they're about to take the Ark of the Covenant out of the city and. He looks at one of his men, and he says these words. He says, the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of, the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back. And let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, 
I have no pleasure in you. Behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. There's just this resolve that whatever the Lord decides, it's his. We don't need to take the ark of God with us. If God's going to find pleasure with me, I'll see it again. If not, so be it. God's in charge. Go on and in, in 2 Samuel 16, verses 8 to 14, there's this man who is cursing David, uh, Shimei, right? He's cursing David. Um, and there's a certain group of people saying, you're the king. You need to get this guy's head. And listen to this interaction. This man, Shimei, starts to curse David. The Lord has avenged you on all the house, the blood of the house of Saul, in, the, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you. You are a man of blood. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. Wouldn't it be nice to have guys like that, right? I'll, I'll take him out for you. You just say the word. But listen to what the king said. What, have I have, what I have to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, if he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. So it wasn't just this one situation. He was walking along the road just hearing curses. They were throwing rocks at him, right? He could have went like this, go take him out, and they would have taken his head off. And God, he just said, the Lord has brought this cursing upon me. If this is what the Lord wills, let it happen. I just find that resolve. It's all connected to, back to that simple thing. I slept and I awoke, and the Lord sustained me. Even in our difficulty, the simple thing of sleeping and waking should remind us that God is on the throne. And because God is on the throne, what does he say? I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. My God is on the th throne. I slept and I'm awake. Look at what he says right there in verse 6. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I just love that. It's so simple. Beloved, it is so simple. So when you go to bed tonight, I want you to, to go to bed and transfer all the glory to God and say, Lord, this day is yours. If you wake me up tomorrow, you have sustained me. That's just that simple, you know? I mean, how many times have we prayed that, that prayer? Lord, as I lay myself down to sleep, you know, I pray my Lord, my soul to keep. That's here, right? The Lord will sustain us. And that's, we see that in the New Testament, right? That same promise that God is in charge is all over the New Testament, you know? If you're ever really discouraged and you think that you're outside of, of God's grace and you're, the, the people are opposing you, besides just sleep, listen to what Romans 8 31 and following say what shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all 
how will he not also graciously give us all things? How, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. You want to condemn me, world? Well, go ahead and condemn me. My God is seated at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for me. So he goes on, Apostle Paul says, what, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or fill in the blank? What do you have going on in your life right now that makes you feel that you are separated from the love of Christ? Whatever that is, know this. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things in our life, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus because God is on the throne. You sleep, you awake. The Lord sustains you. Therefore, we can tell those who are against us, I will not be afraid. My God reigns. We end it with this, this courageous call. This, just this courageous call. Look what it says in verse 7. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You bring the teeth. You break the teeth of the wicked. You know, he calls on the Lord to act. Arise. Get up. It's time to fight. It's time to vindicate me. Uh, now, I, I love sports movies, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched the Rocky series, but there's that time when he gets knocked down, and what is everyone saying? Get up! Get up! Arise! It's time to fight! That's what's happening here. Except he's calling upon God to do this. Lord, arise. Save me, God. Do this. This is all up to you. Notice that right there in verse 2, it says, the people are saying there's no salvation. And what does he say? It's God's decision. Verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. You can say there's no salvation to me, but that's not your call. Whose call is it? It's my God who's on the throne, the one who sustained me during the night, the one who says that I shall not be Afraid for the Lord God is with me. Psalm 56, 3. We call, he calls God to act. But understand that's a courageous thing. He says, God, do what you will. Strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. People will not be able to stand against God. He ends very simply, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. And we know that that prayer, that courageous call, is fulfilled in Christ, isn't it? The blessing of God is on us. Why? Because Jesus Christ died and rose again. So we have no fear. The end of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9 and 10. 
say, whether we are awake or asleep, um, we will always be with the Lord. Whether we are awake or asleep, we will always be in the presence of God because Jesus Christ has come, he's overcome the grave, and he's given us a promise that one day I will come again. So when we face our situations where we are overwhelmed, we need to be like David. We need to look to our Lord, our shield, our glory, the lifter of our heads. We need to raise our eyes on who God is and say, save us, O God. Salvation belongs to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the glories that we have in Christ. God, I pray for those here tonight. I pray for my own heart, Lord, that when we feel overwhelmed, that we would have a bold belief in who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. And God, that we would fall to our knees and that we would call upon you and you would say, arise, O Lord. Save us, for salvation belongs only to you. So God, I pray in the midst of our situations, our trials and tribulations, that we would trust you. We would trust you. Remind us even tonight, Lord, as we close our eyes to sleep, that you are the one who sustains us. You are the one who's seated on the throne. Help us not fear, Lord. Help us trust. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.